guys, I'm here with CJ. We're doing a Zen Gen Z report. I'm going to get my new little thing up here. And um, we're joined tonight. We're, we're, this is exciting. So I'm going to do little introductions because I have my little uh, handy dandy chart right here. So guys, friend of our show, Generational Change, Harvey K, the professor is here. He is um, the professor, a professor of democracy and justice studies at the University of Wisconsin Green Bay, and an award-winning author of many books. And he has contributed to many publications, and he contributes to our show, most importantly. And we are also being joined by William Walter, who is policy research and training lead organizer for Our Revolution Wisconsin, which we're going to talk and hit on a lot of the details about the uh, Supreme Court race there and some of the other things that are going on. And you guys know CJ, so I'm going to bring in Harvey and William. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Gen Z Report. Hi. On behalf of Will, I do want to say. What? It's not our revolution, Wisconsin. What is it's it? Our Wisconsin revolution. Oh, for the love of all those. Okay, guys. No, it, wait, it, it does make a difference. I'm I was sure going to point it, it out, too. Let me make it Harvey clear. will explain why. Yeah. I'm going to explain. Our revolution is floundering a bit. <laughs> okay. Our Wisconsin revolution is thriving. Okay. So they're indeed different organizations, but okay, I'm We're sorry. We're under the umbrella, that. but we work independently. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, what, guys, we're going to start. CJ's going to moderate and do the, the whole thing. I feel like at some point we're going to get where I don't even have to be here, CJ. So go ahead. Great. Yes. Uh, so well, let me just say it's a pleasure to meet you, CJ, and always great to see you, Jen. Thank you. And it's nice to meet you, William. You as well. I followed your campaign in 2020 quite oh, closely. Thank you. Thank you. So when I, said, Should I when I asked him, well, would you like to come on this evening? He said, I'm a big fan. Oh, that's so I've nice. been following you that whole time. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Well, we have a lot of stuff going on. We have a lot of stuff brewing, but uh, and this is just one of those little projects. So CJ, it's yours. Yes. So as we have discussed uh, for the past two weeks, um, we've been talking about, hey, we got really, really big uh, election that's been happening in Wisconsin. And the results are in. We have a lot of really, really great news and a little bit of unfortunate news uh, when it came to the uh, election results. Uh, we do have um, a lot more expertise as my, my two uh, guests tonight are uh, both in Wisconsin, one of which being in that 8th district. And to give a little bit of background for those who have not been following or those new is Wisconsin. Uh, has elections on their Supreme Court justices. And the most recent uh, election was essentially for a variety of issues, the biggest of which being gerrymandering and looking at the uh, results of the Wisconsin maps where Democrats, in order to win, had to get an over 50% of the vote uh, to still be not controlling nearly as much as the legislature. Uh, while the state itself being very, very purple, as well as the being able to enshrine a woman's right to choose uh, to not be sending the law back to the 1800s. So this is a really, really great win. And I believe she won by, was it 14 points? 11 points. 11 points. Okay. I was so very she- sad. I projected 15 points. And then I was like, oh, shoot, we only managed to pull 11. And a lot of my uh, friends were like looking at me like, Dude, come on. And I was like, we got to send a message. Well, we'll point out Evers, our governor, Democratic governor, won re-election by how many votes? 
Oh, I'd have to double check the votes. I know he won by six points, which is considered essentially a Wisconsin landslide, particularly as you mentioned, CJ, it it is a 50, 50 state. Yeah. But, but this, this election was decidedly, I'll go so far as to call it a landslide in essence, also because of the places, despite what happened in the Senate district, the places where liberals prevailed. That's important. Okay. Yes. Uh, so we had, again, this massive, massive win. So again, congratulations to everyone that voted. Congratulations to everyone that canvassed. Congratulations to everyone that phone banked and just let other people know. Uh, and this, again, was a massive, massive uh, victory uh, for many reasons. Now, there was also a uh, election or special election uh, for the eighth cents seat. And that has gone to the GOP by, I believe it was 900 votes, ultimately, at least last I checked. A little, little bit more. It was 1,300 votes. It, okay. was, uh, it was one point for most of the night until uh, one of the more conservative areas on the western side of the district were the last to report it, and it bumped it up to 1,300. But um, I, I, talking about that race in particular, I have a very soft spot for that because Jody Habesinikin, in my opinion, was one of the best candidates in the entire state. This is a woman with an impeccable resume. She's an environmental attorney who worked on the Great Lakes water protection, uh, as well as quite literally wrote the bipartisan puppy mill ban in the state of Wisconsin. And, you know, that's something that uh, we said at Doors quite a bit was, if you can't win on clean water and protecting puppies, we have a bigger problem with the American electorate than gerrymandered maps, right? Like that seems like it should be pretty uh, two pretty safe issues. Uh, And Jody took what was a plus nine conservative district And final results were within two points. So all things considered, it was an incredible, incredible performance. I'd say she put in a Herculean effort, really, considering the four-month window of a special election. Um, I I don't like to... uh, because you're not the only one who has said this, but a lot of people are really frustrated with the loss and they're, they're sad. Oh, you know, I wish we had pulled this off. All things considered, this seat was has been held by conservatives since 1992. Alberta Darling is the only state senator I have known in my entire life. To even get close is a massive, massive victory and just shows not only how good of a candidate Jody was, but how the demographics in these areas are switching and how progressive issues can win even in what's considered safe, conservative uh, communities. This was this district was created to be a free win for uh, Representative Canodal, and he barely pulled it out. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what, what means. And, and, and my understanding is, is within the Wisconsin districts that are blue, uh, again, just giving a little bit of additional insight to how gerrymandered the state is, is uh, I believe it's plus 40 for Democrats in the two states that they do hold, correct? Uh, based off the 2020 elections? That's, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I, could you okay. f- phrase, how, how, what are you getting at specifically? So, I can tell so, you so what, I, what I'm saying data. is that, uh, especially again on the state that is 50-50 split, uh, we do have a circumstance where you literally have of that 50-50 all crammed into two different uh, voting districts. Which then predominantly Milwaukee so and, and Milwaukee County and Dane County are the two yep. largest counties in the state, uh, quite handedly, actually. And yep. I have the five largest one, two, three, four, five. Okay, so the six largest counties in the state Dane, Milwaukee, Waukesha, Brown, Racine, and Outagamie. Four of them went to Janet Protasiewicz. Uh, mm-hmm. Dane and Milwaukee handedly, 73% to 82 and 82%. Waukesha, which has been a GOP safe hold for years, the famous Wow counties, 
that are three of the whitest and most conservative counties in the country. Dan Kelly didn't even break 60% in Waukesha. This is a community that has been 65 to 70, sometimes higher in the last 10, 15 years. Tell them it's Scott remarkable. Walker's territory. Well, Scott Walker's territory. Okay. Yeah, Scott Walker's home, yeah. So um, what does that indicate? Like, do you think that like the the reign of terror of Scott Walker is starting to like, you know, evaporate in some cases? That let, let, me, let, me put, let me let me remind people, Wisconsin was historically the home of capital P progressive politics. OK, and it is the case, of course. Yeah, it's a it's a purple state or whatever. The point is that if the Democrats are running statewide, they win. Okay, that's the key. And the Republicans know that, which is why after 2010, they gerrymandered the state to guarantee no Democrat could win outside of the little spaces that they were afforded. Yes. And however many times it went forward to courts, we got stymied on it. Okay, And by the way, Scott Walker's victory. I mean, it's already. We're already 2013. That's like 13 years ago we're talking. So a lot of people who might be watching wouldn't realize that Scott Walker victory in the Republican control of the legislature led not only to the to the reapportionment, which is outrageous. It also led to the loss of collective bargaining rights for public employees. Now, what does that say? This was the first state to grant public employees collective bargaining rights in 1959. So the, so it's a it was tragic that they were literally stripped from those of us who are public employees, state university, you know, professors, the whole crew of us. OK, so the thing is that people wondered, well, I guess the state's going as the rest of the country has been going, going to the right. The fact is that this would not necessarily have happened. And by the way, the C is missing from Wisconsin in my <laughs> Okay. Oh my god, good catch. I'm terrible. Yeah. Sorry. So, so this is what happens when Peter is not here. Like normally there's like there's two of us that I'm like doing all of, all right, sorry, I'm back to it. No, no, that's okay. The the, the point is that <laughs> that this is a state that should have remained essentially democratic. The Democrats blew it nationally and statewide. Nationally, we went to the right as a state because of the Clintons. Period. And the Obama administration, period. It was called NAFTA and the utter failure of Obama's administration to send even a single person to Wisconsin when we occupied the state capitol to protect our collective bargaining rights. The Democrats blew this state when it didn't have to be blown. Having said that, we're now some years some years on. Okay. The fact is the Walker years were a disaster for this for the state disaster and the time has gotten to, you know it's it, even even wisconsinites came to see what was needed and the best proof of that okay is the fact that while green bay the city is democratic brown county that surrounds it has been republican and as will pointed out brown county went liberal in this vote now let me make something clear so now we're going to now liberals will control the supreme court However, right now, all that does is if suits come before the Supreme Court to reverse what would be argued would be an unconstitutional initiatives about everything from voting to, to women's right to choose, which remain, it's an old law in the books that, you know, 
has yet to be applied in the state, but could be applied had we not taken the Supreme Court. Um, but also the whole question of collective bargaining rights and apportionment. This state was literally turned back a few generations by the Walker governorship and the Republican control of the legislature. So here's the thing. The battle to gain what we once had will not be enough. Democrats have got to discover or literally come to grips with the fact that you cannot win this state by standing still. They are going to have to not only recover what we lost, okay, we are going to have to create new rights as we go forward. There was a guy about 100 years ago, 120 years ago, right? Will and I talked about this earlier today. You're going to protect the rights that your fathers granted you by affording new rights to your own children. That's the shorthand of the, of the quote that I would say. So this state is literally, it was at a tipping point and is now at a tipping point in another direction. We can literally restore progressive Wisconsin, but that's gonna require smashing our way into, sorry, that was unkind, let me be nicer. We are, the progressives are going to have to demand that the Democratic Party stop taking orders from the DNC. That's a good thing. I got your back here, Harvey. So it's a Henry Lloyd quote. The price of liberty is something more than eternal vigilance. There must also be eternal advance. We can save the rights we have inherited from our fathers only by winning new ones to bequeath our children. Yeah. When the Democrats come to realize that, Wisconsin will become the progressive state that the citizens of this state desire. Yeah. And Harvey touched on uh, Wisconsin statewide elections over the past few years. So in 2022, Ron Johnson obviously won re-election as well as the Republican treasurer. However, that was the first time a Republican has won a statewide, statewide race since Ron Johnson's 2016 run. So this 50-50 state has been going blue statewide election after statewide election after statewide election. And the numbers behind the scenes in, again, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but some of the quote unquote safe conservative districts are astounding. If you take a look at the final results map, pretty much, in fact, literally the entire Southwest corner of Wisconsin, every single county went to Janet Protasiewicz. Former GOP strongholds like the city of Waukesha, Mequon, Port Washington, Deansville, Franklin, Oak Creek, not only did they not go heavily conservative, Janet Protasiewicz won these counties. She won the city of Waukesha by about 100 votes. It's the first time a liberal has won the city in years. Republicans won it 61-39 in the spring primary. Astounding, astounding turnout. Right. Dan Kelly didn't even break 60% in the county itself. And the punchline to all of this, as long as this is CJ's night and Will's here, is that it was young people who made a radical difference these last couple of elections here in Wisconsin. The question of the woman's right to choose and a whole host of other issues actually drove young people to the polls. And CJ mentioned too, uh, you know, Dane County and Milwaukee County, there's uh, this kind of narrative that it's just Madison and Milwaukee carrying election after election after election. Well, Madison and Milwaukee obviously went heavily, heavily to Janet. Milwaukee was D plus 107,000. Dane was plus uh, 153,000. There were a couple of wards uh, in Madison that were like 98% Protosawitz. 
But uh, Mike Wagner, who's a professor at uh, UW-Madison political scientist, he does a tremendous, tremendous job, noted that despite Dane County going 82% to 18% for Janet Protasiewicz, she still would have won the state if you took away all of her Dane County votes, 196,000. Let Kelly keep his 43,000, she still would have won. That is wild. Absolutely wild. She won by two hundred north of two hundred thousand votes. And Harvey, I went back and looked. Evers won by ninety thousand, which again at the time was considered to be a landslide. Yeah. She more than yeah. doubled that victory. Right. Turnout at campuses was nuts. Dane County was north of sixty percent. Wisconsin's turnout yesterday was thirty nine percent. Shattered records for a spring uh, for a spring election. That's higher than twelve different United States. Uh, states had in their fall midterm turnout. Okay. What do we have yeah. next, Jay? So, so yeah, that that has been uh, all fantastic news. Now the you know caveat, uh, just as far as the uh, the eighth uh, Senate district was more so, it now has the GOP does have two thirds uh, veto overriding power and can be suspending Supreme Court justices, which is kind of a concern if it's an elevation of the destruction of democracy. But again, as far as trends go, very, very fantastic news. Now. Wait, it, one second. That's, one second. Yeah. Yep. Democrats could never get anything. We haven't seen a Democratic initiative in legislature since 2010, basically. Mm-hmm. So getting the major, you know getting that super majority it's sound, not likely it, it it's not going to ch- it really might not change anything and as a matter of fact this i don't mean th- things should get worse bef- in order to get no. better but if the republicans pursue the agenda that they might have in mind they will never be heard from again in this state i hope they've already yeah, yeah. seen they are, one of my f- students is politically active in central wisconsin a very red area. I don't mean, when I say red, I'm still living in the past, a socialist area. It's a very red Republican area. Okay. The fact <laughs> is, he said, I feel you, Harvey. He, I don't know where that, how that happened, but nevertheless, it's the case. He said, look, right now, the GOP, the, their heads are spinning. They are in disarray. They, they, they won one seat. They don't know what, they don't know what the hell they're going to do. Okay. Yes. Uh, so the, Big thing is uh, talking from the Gen Z perspective and uh, to comment to the YouTube uh, comment that came in. It's like, yes, I, I personally am very concerned, but unfortunately, it's either, hey, we're going to start doing mad impeachments over small things uh, and taking political issues, which given the uh, Tennessee, what happened in Tennessee with they uh, expelling two House members is very, very concerning and definitely un- yet another elevation um, like that is okay. We're, we're really hurting with democracy. But the question that I, the main topic I wanted to get to tonight is young people, we're active, we're engaged. We still aren't at, you know, above 50% voter participation. I believe our 2022 midterms were we had 27% uh, voter participation, which one of the biggest <laughs> indicators of voting in the future is if you vote in the past election. So to have such a great turnout in the previous election, I think is a very, very good stance. And then we also are more and more aware of there's these major corporate powers. We're more and more aware of there's all these different parts. But my question becomes, if we're talking in the context of labor, if we're talking in the context 
of how easy is it for us to organize? How easy is it for us to protest and ask for these things? Uh, you being a historian, I want to know how were we looking, how are we looking now compared to about 50 years ago where we were able to have the civil rights protests and getting everything uh, passed with that? Granted, that was 70s. Uh, but getting those done and getting those changes versus a hundred years ago where people were getting shot for protests um, versus, you know, how, how that shook up to, you know, in 2020, especially with BLM, we had one of the largest protests uh, in you know, modern U S history and a lack of change. So if there is anything that we can kind of get from historical context, and if there's any advice that we can kind of take, uh, from those areas. Yeah. I mean, let, let's peg things from the 1930s. Franklin okay. Roosevelt's first two terms as president, the New Deal years. Um, when Roosevelt took office, he was already predetermined to pursue what we would des definitely call a progressive agenda. But in terms of the 1933 politics, it was a radical agenda. Yes. A radical agenda. Okay. And in his initial hundred days, he passed. He literally he made heads spin with the legislation that he and the Democrats enacted, um, subjected finance to public regulation and control. They created the Civilian Conservation Corps. They created the Works Progress no, Sorry, the Public Works Administration. They created the National Industrial Recovery Act, which was supposed to be the law that empowered workers with the right to organize and bargain collectively. Capitalists found their way around that law. And thus later in 1935, they the, the Democrats enacted the National Labor Relations Act. And this is the key thing, because you're asking about organizing. The national, you're, I don't know if, did you happen to watch the Bernie Sanders grilling or at least the committee hearings with Howard Schultz? It was, it was as much as I could stomach of Schultz, but yes, it was good. CJ, you watched it, right? Uh, I'm not sure the exact thing that you're referring well, to. Right. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah so the health, education, labor, and whatever committee that Bernie convened and called Howard Schultz, the head of Starbucks, in to testify regarding his labor practices. Howard Schultz did a damn good job testifying. I actually felt like he came away feeling like he, he may have won the day, but that's not the point. There was a, in the course of that, those hearings, the Republicans, especially, I believe it was Cassidy. Uh, what state was Cass is Cassidy from? I don't know. I'm not sure. Bill Cassidy, that's uh, Louisiana, isn't it? Yeah, from Louisiana. He he made this argument about the NLRB is is not pursuing a, you know a, a, a nonpartisan objective uh, you know centrist kind of approach to labor management relations. Well, if he read the law. The, the National Labor Relations Act, however much it's been battered over the years, remains the case. Government, the federal government, is supposed to take the side of the workers. Yep. It was created, it was created to make sure that workers had the right to organize and that those rights were recognized by their employers. The shorthand for it is government was to have the backs of the workers. Okay. That's something that Unfortunately, nobody pointed that out effectively in those hearings. Okay, so it was the case. Labor grew by the millions, no joke, by the millions, and then grew all the more during World War II, which is another story. Capital was 
absolutely convinced that they were losing control. And the uh-huh. organizing was done by young left activists, communists, socialists, progressives, radicals, whatever term you want to use. In 1947, because of the confusion after the war of troops returning and moving across, around the country to, to, you know, to, to create civilian lives for themselves, workers who had moved to the Gulf Coast and to the West Coast to, to build ships and transports, everyone was on the move. And they were also eager not not to be subject to the laws that prevailed in the executive orders of World War II. The Republicans won control of Congress in 1946, and they passed the Taft-Hartley Act. The Taft-Hartley Act was was anti-labor and decidedly racist. And what do I mean by that? The Taft-Hartley Act allowed states to become, in quotes, right-to-work states. Okay, right-to-work states especially that meant in the South, though there were other areas of the country where like out West in in a couple of cases. Now, why was it racist? Because basically what it meant is if the Southern democratic white supremacists could keep their control of labor, they could continue segregation of labor, Jim Crow laws, what we know of as apartheid in modern terms. So when, the AFL and the CIO, both labor federations, targeted the South for organizing. They ran right into the wall of that Taft-Hartley Act. Yep. So, nevertheless, and 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 to clarify for those who are not as familiar with right to work, the right to work is you cannot force someone to join a union, which right. then decreases union membership uh, and union dues because that union, despite protecting everyone, you can essentially have a lot of freeloaders, which then makes the union a lot weaker. Right, uh, freeloading, right. yeah. Yes, okay, so, so continue on, I just wanted to clarify that. Oh, way. great, that's perfect. By 1953-55, one of every three workers belonged to a union. Despite the law, workers continue to join unions. It's, However, in the South, that those numbers did not increase as one might have expected, okay? In the 1960s, it was an age of public employee mobilizations, public employee mobilizations. And in fact, as I said before, in 1959, the state of Wisconsin set, you know, set the pace by granting public employees collective bargaining rights. In the 1970s, capital, I'm, I'm going to shorthand it, Capital declared war on labor. It's it's there. Rockefeller gave the speeches. The Lewis Powell Memorandum, if you go online, just look it up, was the memorandum by the corporate lawyer from Virginia, Lewis Powell, who sent the who was who sent a, a famous memorandum at the time secret, but a famous later became famous, a memorandum basically telling the Chamber of Commerce, now is the time we have to respond to all of these assaults on business by labor, environmentalists, and others. The Trilateral Commission was formed in those early 1970s, chaired by David Rockefeller, organized by Zbigniew Brzezinski, who was the professor at Harvard University in politics, who also then chose Jimmy Carter to be the Democratic nominee, and who was a member of the Trilateral Commission, as was George H.W. Bush. They declared war on labor, on poor people's movements, on the women's movement, every single progressive movement was targeted. 
It's not a conspiracy. It was all announced publicly. The problem was the Democratic Party did not respond effectively. And by the end of the decade, as they used to say, the fastest growing enterprise in America in the 1970s was union-busting law firms. The climax to those years was when Reagan Deregulated, screwed the air, the air traffic controllers. The air traffic controllers who had the, one of the few labor unions who had endorsed Reagan for president to, in his campaign for president, then expected that they would finally see some relief on their jobs. We're very surprised to see that Reagan administration couldn't care less. And what ended up happening is they went out on strike and Reagan fired all of them. That was the largest union busting effort in, in American history. Okay. And I think, honestly, nothing has been that bad up until Joe Biden right recently with the railroad workers union. But we, we're not going to get sidetracked right. into railroad right. workers right now. Right, right. Which, by the way, would be a great conversation. But a whole other great- hour show. We've done it. We've covered it. We actually had yeah. a couple of the uh, railroad workers union members on as well as a driver for Norfolk Southern. And um, we've done this. Sh- like, it's crazy right. how, how yeah. they're treated. Right. No, I- I'll just say one thing. Everyone believes that the, the, the screwing of, of the railway workers was the congressional vote to block the strike. No, it was when Biden months earlier, basically. Yes. OK. And by the way, people, people might wonder, what could he have done? Well, what he could have done is he could have met with the railway bosses and said, I'm going to save Christmas. If you don't give railway workers health care days off and, and decent benefits and all the things that go along with a, with a 21st century, you know, sort of decency, I'm going to nationalize by executive order the railways. Thank you. Yeah. I love when people act like he has no power to do anything. Then if, he has, if the president has no power to do anything, why are we concerned with who has that job? So, yeah. So th- this is uh, also what I, th- this was going to be the lit level of questioning that I was going to go to. Okay. Uh, asking and, the historically, and then the last thing, yeah. the last thing mm-hmm. is, my, it's my impression, tragically, the Amazon organizing efforts are stymied right now. Yep. Yeah. But the Starbucks folks are not. And the Starbucks folks are young people who who will not be stymied. The yeah. tragedy is they can't organize at the national level. They have to organize shop by shop by shop. But I can tell you, if Bernie's serious, two things, based on the hearings that they held the other day, he, he talked about bringing Schultz back within a few weeks to testify again how he has better addressed labor relations. By the way, based on that, those hearings, he should, that should have been a, a court trial because he could have been indicted for what he did. He broke the law, Schultz and, and the company. Nevertheless, the second thing is, is that back in the 19, now go back to the 1930s, Robert LaFollette Jr., who was the senator from the state. His father was senior, Robert LaFollette, the famous progressive, the son. Fighting Bob, if you've heard of him. Fighting Bob. The son in the 30s, that progressive Republican folk, FDR turned his back on the Democratic Party in Wisconsin in the 30s and basically backed the progressives in the state of Wisconsin. Robert LaFollette Jr. launched a Senate investigation. It was called the LaFollette Committee that traveled around the country investigating labor practices. And it revealed to Americans, this is historical fact, that major corporations were creating arsenals in their factories, armed, you know, armored cars, 
machine guns, the, all of that stuff in order to fend off labor occupations and other kinds of, of, of working class initiatives. Well, maybe Bernie should take these hearings on the road. Admittedly, we have television today. They didn't have television then. But one thing if Bernie did is it might well encourage all the more young people at Starbucks and Amazon warehouses to say, well, hell, indeed, let's organize, right? And let's see how Bezos and Schultz and the rest of the billionaires would respond to that kind of energy because Biden hasn't afforded it. Yeah. Sorry. So, so the through line uh, from, and, and thank you for the uh, historical details because I'm somewhat familiar uh, with like, okay, here's the big, big things, of course, uh, but uh, educating everyone on that. Yeah, and if the I sound angry, that I got, I am. No, I am. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it, it's, it's, Not with you. Know, you. I'm pressure. angry because they had the audacity to portray Biden as the, the next FDR. <coughs> oh, he's the most progressive yeah. president in our lifetime. In, I their mean, life, in their life, in their life, of yeah, even uh, Lyndon Johnson, war aside, was the most progressive <laughs> in my lifetime. Yeah, um, I mean, per, per personal opinions, it's like I, I wasn't expecting as much, and he has done a lot more than I expected it. But where, so the through line though, I got like FDR kind of came in and said, "We are doing these things," and then implemented these policies. Uh, you had Reagan who came in with a coordinated effort of a lot of people from capital and then undid a lot of these various things where my question is Carter, is that, Carter, Carter, oh, Carter, sorry, okay. Carter, Carter so, paved the way for Reagan. Okay. okay. So where my question comes in and, and, and what, and if what I was hoping to uh, have answered is for us, I'm not going to be uh, the president, at least not yet, not like in 20 years and probably not ever. I am someone where I will canvas, I will donate, I will come and speak my mind. What have you fi found historically in terms of what has worked to actually push things in? Is it literally, we just need to find the right people and vote in the right people and convince people to vote for this? Or is there, is it as sim simple as that? Or are there other things? That, you know, okay, let's start with the first part, the first part yeah. of your question. I may have said this on Jen's show already. Mm -hmm. If a candidate tells you they want to fight for you, don't trust them. If a candidate inspires the fight in you, trust them. That's the candidate you want, okay, If you, when you go to vote. Otherwise, be prepared to vote defensively. Yep. That's, okay, let's put it that way. But I will also tell you, if the labor movement is not reinvigorated on a massive scale, the Democrats have no chance of winning because the Republicans will mobilize the unorganized more effectively by using the cultural issues, by talking about Democrats as big spenders, Democrats as identity politics. The coastal elites, I hear that a lot in suburban Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, the Democrats do come off that way. They do. They come off as sanctimonious. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And it turns people off. And when you're having a, a populist revolution and the Democrats are sanctimonious and elitist, the people are going to go to the right. They're going to go with the right wing populism that's being offered to them, even though it isn't real. Okay. The next thing I'm, I'm also, as long as you're asking, you find in every county, I assume Florida has county Democratic parties. We Dem- do, but ours is. But only, I, no, only six yeah, I'm, I'm actually uh, missing my meeting for this podcast. That's uh, true. Everywhere you take them over. We're working, you know, Florida, our, the, the Florida Democratic Party only really exists in like some counties. We don't have, it's out of like all the counties yeah. here. I think they're only in like seven of them or so. Um, you know what, I, I, well, here's the county. tragedy. Here's the tragedy. And I'll use Florida as the proof of my argument. So Republicans, not just Republicans, utterly fascist types win in Florida these days, right? I mean, your governor is like, <laughs> God help us, okay? I mean, he, he basically- he's, he's, He leans authoritarian. He leans authoritarian. I just ordered his book today because I want to- I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have a full Florida episode uh, in the future. But you want it, yeah, it's Florida okay. episode. My point is this. When the $15 minimum wage was on the yeah. ballot, it passed. And in other states, when progressive issues end up on the ballot, they get an act, they pass. Yeah. Moreover, not everywhere, obviously. Moreover, what we just did on Tuesday tells you, tells everyone, the Democrats have a way forward. You've got to be aggressive on the progressive questions. Okay. They generally back down and move to the right because they're scared. They'd actually sure. rather win over Republicans than progressives. And Absolutely. I got a great example, Harvey, yeah. the Dunn County uh, oh, thank nonprofit you. healthcare. So our Wisconsin Revolution had a now uh, a little context. Uh, ballot referendums in Wisconsin are non-binding. So there wasn't any actual legislative change. This was more just, you know. Let's see what the voters think. But we sense of the people or something like that. sense of the people. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So uh, we went to the uh, Dunn County, which is in northwestern Wisconsin, very rural, very white, very conservative. uh, And they had a problem. The county was spending $500,000 a month on employee health insurance, and it was a massive black hole on their budget month after month after month. Well, uh, John Calabrese, one of the Dunn County supervisors, who was also with OWR at the time, went to them and said, you know, hey, guys, I have a solution. What if we tried, I don't know, or had some kind of national not-for-profit health insurance program? I don't know, maybe toss that out there. Uh, And they voted on it. It passed unanimously on the county board. Then it went to the ballot in November. It passed 51-49 in very white, very rural, very conservative Dunn County, Wisconsin, meaning it outperformed the victorious incumbent Democratic governor by 14 points, and it outperformed Mandela Barnes by 17 points. These policies win even in rural conservative America, as long as you avoid the buzzwords, right? They hear Medicare for all, or they hear anything that they can uh, mentally link to socialism, they're going to instantaneously shut down. But nobody likes their health insurance, right? They like their doctors. And when you offer them a potential solution to the predatory insurance uh, industry, they are more more than willing to jump on it. Americans don't trust the Democrats on economic issues because Democrats are portrayed as not having an economic agenda. Yes. And so... What, what, again, my, to uh, 
rephrase my question is I am someone where I have my news from very various different things. I try my best to keep up to date and informed. I do my best to educate others. What are the next steps for me to be able to go for collecting? And I'm talking again. Okay, to me I'll as tell you what. You, so a, a potential person. Where I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Not gonna I'm this, yeah, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but the individuals vote. Yep. Organizations bring pressure. So it's one go, way or the other. Join my well, local you could do both. I mean, this is something that's really interesting. Like, and if you look at what Shama Sawant's doing right now with Workers Strike Back. Um, and I'm hopeful because she obviously has a proven track record in success and success and stuff that she's been able to get done. But we've always said, CJ, this is an inside and outside strategy. So you're going to have people that's best. Oh, yeah. oh, their absolutely. best roles are on the inside and there's people whose best roles are on the outside. And as somebody in your position, you can actually play both. And this is this is something that I see all the time. Like we'll show up for labor. We'll show up and walk on picket lines and we'll show up for labor in any way we can. But we're also going to show up for good candidates that are non-corporate that are fighting for the things we're fighting for. So you have the luxury of being able to participate in both ways. But I would suggest checking out uh, Workers Strike Back organization because the more she can galvanize nationally in all the different unions, that's the closest chance we're going to have to a unified outside labor strategy um, in terms of, you know, congealing all the different unions. Okay. Sweet. What are so, your thoughts on that about on Harvey on uh, Shama's project? Well, okay. Last year I was doing my damnedest to try to change the leadership in the AFL CIO, just for, for what it's worth. That's a different story. Okay. Yes. Um, I I think grassroots labor initiatives to create solidarities are to be welcomed. Okay. And. Um, Look, my, my view is the more you can move towards a popular front politics as existed in the 30s, the better off we all are. Okay. Now, what does that mean? It means, for example, if there are in if there are in various states, the diverse organizations, whether it's the poor people's movement or our revolution or progressive Democrats of America, which is out in California, all these things. In one sense, great. The, you know, let a thousand flowers bloom. But you can't win if you're duplicating activities. There really needs to be a coalescence, a coalition, because inside, outside, absolutely, Jen, you go, you create the coalitions and you move in and you take over yep. the party. That's the way it has to happen. That's how the Republicans have been doing it. Um, they're much yeah, more concerned right. with their local on the ground party people, their precinct captains, like in Florida, our local party, it's, we're a train wreck. Like it's a train wreck here and and there's no sense of organization. But I still think that it's going to also have to be outside of the electoral process. Um, the, the pressure that's going to have to come from the outside labor world is going to have to be big. And it's going to be like and it's like a chicken and an egg thing, because right now when you've got right to work laws and we can't seem to even get the pro act back in the concept of conversation, you know, you think, well, what power is there? But it's kind of like. It's one of those things where I would say you just got to throw enough shit against the wall and see what sticks. So we have to be fighting on all these different fronts. That's all. All right. I'm yeah. sorry, CJ. I'm no, trying. No, no, and then I, I want to be clear. I've been I'm a, I'm a labor unionist, so now a retiree member. I actually today, as a consequence of getting to know Will and his team all the more, I joined our Wisconsin Revolution. OK, 
I think that there are organizations out there that one can join. Look, I mean, seriously speaking, I'm impressed by your generations. Okay, your generation. I am. Impressed. I'm not in their generation, so I'm assuming you're speaking. No, we already went show. through this. Every time I come on this show, I keep I'm, telling you, Harvey, <laughs> I'm closer to you than I am to them. I but okay, I appreciate that. the compliment. I, I do realize that, okay. but their generation yes. has that. Their All generation. Right. You guys, you you guys, and the women that I assume are part of your networks. You folks are not going to take the bullshit. But it, but the the most important thing is. You can't fall into cynicism. And it's too easy to do that if you're not connected to each other. You know, when Bernie qu- when, when Bernie said, not me, us, in that campaign, it didn't, it sounded like it was a, you know, some kind of Christian morality thing. Well, you know, treat others as you would have yourself treated kind of thing. No, it, what it meant is it's a solidarity question, both a solidarity in terms of the movement, but it's also another kind of solidarity. Let's suppose you're successful in getting people elected. The not me us is those people are di- are not empowered beyond the vote. You've got to give them power by pushing them constantly. FDR during his presidency, for all of his faults and failings, he regularly invited the push. He wanted to be pushed. He he told the journalist early in his presidency, I don't want to get out too far in front of my fellow citizens which was to say, I want my fellow citizens to be right up my back pushing me so we can make things happen. He used to tell delegations of progressives who came to see him, trying to convince him to support their their cause. He would say, you don't have to convince me. I'm with you. You've got to make, you've got to push me, however. Now, what did that mean? It meant I've got to get others to believe that I have no choice and they have no choice but to make these things happen. So you've got to join organizations, whether if you work at a place that has a union, you've got to join and become active. And if there isn't a union, you've got to be you got to start talking it up, admittedly, outside the place, probably because the bosses are going to are, are going to are going to look for you. But it's also the case you you need to join organizations outside the inside outside strategy. I can't tell. I love when I go on a show and somebody says, well, what's more important, the movement or politics? And I said, they have to okay. happen together. It's, a, it's, a symbio- it's a symbiotic relationship. And people don't understand that. Like what you were just saying, they get somebody in office and they think, okay, that's it. Now they have to do everything. But it really only works when you can, when they look out their window and they see that that elected person has a million people that are standing outside their office yeah. that are with them. And I don't think people understand that as much as they ought to. Yeah. Democracy you know, the, is a all, verb. The, all, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Will. I was just going to say, democracy is a verb, right? It's an action. You have to be maintaining it day after day after day, 24 7, 365 days a year. Okay. Hillary Clinton, look, I, I mean, I. I Are you going to go down a Clinton rabbit hole? We're not going to yeah. do that. No, no, I'm actually going to tell. No, I'm not. What I'm going to tell you is what at one time, once upon a time, Hillary Clinton said something smart. Oh, I'm going to need documentation. She, I'm telling you, she said, she said, it isn't only a matter of the mo- of the movement. The civil rights movement was essential. But if Lyndon Johnson wasn't there to sign the bills into law, it wouldn't have won. If he wasn't there to twist arms, it, they wouldn't have won. Okay. You if, mean you don't think Lyndon Johnson would have bowed down to the parliamentarian? I'm just checking. <laughs> so as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I mean, <laughs> I don't even need to answer that. You know. <laughs> I mean, no, because if Lyndon Johnson was sitting there, the parliamentarian would have had cinder blocks attached to her ankles. So, <laughs> so to to go over the things that we've uh, spoken today, uh, okay. to not go on on tangents, because I feel like we're starting to 
real things here is that hey, we want to have it's fun your, your your steps uh for the you know theoretical hey i'm active i'm engaged is once you are have reached your barrier of education and engagement then the next steps comes to local organization where either uh being in your local political parties and trying to meet with those um let like a, a certain you know, Southeast, you know, your district club for Democrats or uh, whatever part you're trying to push and getting in. And then that is how you have that ground level to yeah. be able to have your voice literally speaking at those tables and then uh, helping get other people elected. Then it is do not fall to cynicism. So progress is something that can definitely take a while. And even if you push uh, and try your best to get these things done. You do, at the end of the day, need the right circumstances to actually achieve everything that you're going for or a portion of what you're going for. Well, don't pray for an economic depression in hopes that a catastrophe will occur. <laughs> we yeah, shouldn't have no. to get that. Uh, no, not, 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 not. If young that. people want to uh, buy a house, they might need the, uh, bubble to burst at this point though. Uh, well, that, that, that the Nazi did very well when economic depression hit Germany. Just don't forget. Yeah, that. CJ, you're going to, I know it's hard for you because this is what we often get off, but just go, keep us, keep us going. I'm trying, because um, eventually so, Harvey, this show is not going to be my baby. So, uh, do not fight for restoring, uh, your rights, but try to fight for advancing those rights. Uh, and then again, what was my last bit when I was looking at history is in 2020, we had one of the largest civil rights protests in recent history um, and to very little. Uh, I will say again, Chicago, for example, we had a teacher union backed candidate and a police backed candidate. Uh I, I'm forgetting the exact margin of victory, but the teacher back and the reformist backed um, mayor has won. Um, again, I, I don't have the uh, exact margin. So know there that is he progress. Came from, he came from a deficit. In the primaries, yep. he was not the winner. Yep. He overcame the de- the difference. That's Didn't he made up quite a difference? Like my it, understanding was right. he was like way down. Yeah, it was like he was in the 20s and the other guy was... He ended up winning by about 17,000. So on my... Don't fall to cynicism. On my, hey, yes, we had a really bad union loss within the railway system. What is is my check when I... My mental check where I say, yes, this union bust was really, really bad. However, we also have the most progressive climate bill in all of history that got passed uh, within that same year period. What do well, I, I do? Love they love ta- it, it may be the most progressive climate bill, but we haven't had to worry about climate bills until now. Yep, I, I, I recognize that. I but okay. I, I still have that. The, the, the greatest conservation, the greatest environmental president, was probably. FDR and then um, Lyndon Jones. Roosevelt. No? Yeah, Roosevelt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't forget, you had the CCC, the WPA. You had massive, massive drought in the Midwest, talking about climate, and they addressed it, literally addressed it with massive tree plantings. They really, they, they fought it. We need mm-hmm. that again, by the way. 
by just saying. The reforestation so, is a huge solution. Sorry. So just keep applying. So the biggest takeaway is, uh, and, and, and again, talking on minor victories that have happened as slow as they have been. It's like we do have student loans uh, that have been forgiven-ish. No, not yet. So, so the policy as far as Biden can pass it, to my knowledge, uh, did get passed. And it's being held up in the courts, and we'll see what the Supreme Court says, and if they if they even take it, and like there's still kind of, but it's these policies are something that gets advocated for year over year over year. That pressure builds and builds and builds, and eventually, it starts becoming from oh, this is this really new niche thing to yeah, we should absolutely have this. And that is a result of the voice. So is that our, our big takeaway? Is that if we well, want to continue? Yeah, although I think you get, I, 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 those are all great things. I think you're giving too much credit to Biden. Look, he could well, have- No, he, I'm, I'm saying that wasn't Biden. I'm saying that Biden yeah, was the same right, president right. that did this union bust. We still had these massive policy wins that did come yeah. out. And that is from the- Yeah, it, it wasn't actually, he didn't bust the union. He broke the strike. Bro- bro- yeah, broke the strike. Or he prevented yeah. the strike from taking place. Yes. Or another way of putting it is he kissed the asses of the railway bosses. Yes. So, yeah. I, again, I'm, I'm trying to give the-, the You did, no, your summary- take away well, the, Great. You were very comprehensive, believe me. Okay. So, so, Jen, so I can assume this is my last time on since obviously I'm just- no, we love you on here. It doesn't matter to us. CJ's very organized. They're very structured. And and the other thing is, is that this is new. This is only the third time, the third episode. And we've already, you know, we haven't even gotten down consistently the same people. So I think it's just, you know, but yeah, they're way more organized than, than I am. Yeah, no, I'm impressed, CJ. <laughs> well, I know. See, this I'm is impressed. why I'm bringing in young people. Because you know, Harvey, you, we've had you on before where you didn't even realize you were going to be on a live stream. And we, we bring <laughs> you on and you're like, wait, I'm live? Yeah, welcome to the show. I don't mind live streams. I like being told ahead of time. I might have shaved or something. <laughs> we like the element of surprise here at Generational Change. Yeah. But the Gen Z report is a lot more, you know, that's why I changed my background. It's like it's their whole own thing. By the way, CJ, you know about this Festivus thing they do every year, right? Yeah. Do you, okay, CJ, we have, yeah. we, have, we have an animal. I was the one person they brought on. Little did they realize I, I despised the Seinfeld show. No, I know. Me. And yet he gets mistaken for uh, Larry David. Larry David repeatedly. Right. I, I actually did see uh, that, that coming on when it was on the segment for Bosch. Uh, so. We had yeah. a good, we actually had a good one this past, this past one. It was Max who was on with us, right? Yeah, and, Max was on. And yeah. sorry, I'm blanking on the woman's name, but yeah. she was excellent. Margaret. Okay. So, yeah. William, and, and I'm trying to wrap up to keep these okay, you know, roughly okay. within the hour. Uh, so, from the organization, what do, do you have any comments, big takeaways on, hey, I joined this organization. How did you find out about it? And how much growth do you feel that like you've had? And how much, like, voice do you yeah, think Yeah, let's promote our Wisconsin revolution. Yeah, yeah. ourwisconsinrev.com. Please feel free to... to Take a peek if you're interested. Um, I was introduced to the organization because I was actually elected as a Bernie Sanders delegate to the 2020 convention in my hometown of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm I'm about 15 minutes outside of Milwaukee. But for most people nationally, that's what they'll recognize because they won't know what Germantown or Washington County is. Um, But 
Unfortunately, the convention had to go virtual. Public safety is paramount. I completely understand that. But the other Bernie people that I was introduced to, it was so refreshing to be able to find like-minded individuals in what's generally considered a very not safe uh, community for these type of ideas. You know, it's very conservative, uh, kind of rural suburbia. Uh, And that's not, Wisconsin's not like that anymore. As Harvey mentioned, you know, our state model was quite literally forward. We are the, the trends are shifting and they're shifting very quickly. Uh, I highly advise young people to get involved. You know, uh, full disclosure, I'm actually a young millennial. I'm not Gen Z. Uh, I was don't, born in don't tell us the that. Mid-90s, <laughs> but, You're Gen um, Z for tonight. I'm Gen Z for tonight. I'll take it. I wish I was Gen Z, honestly. Gen Z, you guys talked about it. Gen Z, they don't take anybody's BS. They are no. coming to change the system. Young people have saved democracy once again. And if we want this trend to continue, they're going to have to see progress, right? We can't have every election cycle being the most consequential election of all time if young people show up in force, win, and nothing changes. It's going to become, you know, voting is going to become the boy who cried wolf. The Democrats are going to keep saying, you got to come vote, you got to come vote. Okay, well, we did, and you're not doing anything for us. So we're going to have to start seeing change. And Gen Z absolutely rocked it at college campuses, particularly all across the state of Wisconsin. They saved us once again. Okay. And, and then again, I'm trying to get for what was your individual experience like? Was it, you know, so you got to meet with like-minded individuals, very welcoming, very, yeah, he like, wants do you to feel like you found a sense of community? How people can get like into this and how people can get involved like through, and you know, obviously you're with our-, our Sure, Wisconsin. sure, sure. Yeah. So I can only speak to our organization, but the way yeah. that we do it is- uh, we have committees focused on individual uh, that we consider like the most important issues, right? So we have a Medicare for All committee. We have an environmental committee that's focusing on the WCC, Wisconsin Conservation Congress right now. We have a workers' rights committee. Uh, and we want to be able to allow young people to find their specific interest and focus on that by offering, um, you know, let's say well-versed veterans of the industries uh, as potential mentors. Uh, some of the leaders of our committees are are people who have been there, done that before, and they're able to kind of say to young people, hey, if this is your interest, if this is what you want to do, here's how you can help us. We have X activity, Y activity, Z activity that we can kind of help push along. Otherwise, uh, as you mentioned, don't be afraid to go to a college campus. There's a lot of great organizing being done at the college level from a number of organizations across the state. There's, uh, there's other organizations, Harvey's mentioned, like Progressive Democrats of America, ample opportunities for young people to get involved. Really, you just need to express interest because believe me, these organizations want you there. They want your help and they want your passion. They just need to know you're interested. And, and you know, gosh, I, I, you know, that sounds really, really great, but I don't feel like I'm super you know, knowledgeable about a, a specific thing or have a passion. If I show up, is there going to be like a major workload on me or am I able to kind of like dip my toes in and, and, and take a look? hundred percent. You can dip your toes in. Oh yeah. It, nobody's going to show up and say, all right, uh, here's a notebook. I want you to go to this event and uh, document everything that these, you know, 65 year old white men are talking about at some really niche, uh, you know, conservation type activity. No, no, no. There. You just express what you care about, why you got involved in progressive politics. Perhaps uh, abortion and women's health is a very important issue for you. Uh, perhaps healthcare is a very important issue. You don't have to be necessarily knowledgeable about how to change the system. You just have to want to be engaged. And there will be people who want to show you how, that, how you can bring your energy and your passion to the movement. Okay. And then uh, last bit is like, Man, that, that that's great, but I'm just not the, the best with people. Do, do you think it's an okay way of making friends? 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, in my experience, it most certainly was. And that's not just friends that are around your age group. I've met so many older people in particular. Some of my closest friends in the progressive movement are women in their 70s and 80s who have been doing this for years and just couldn't break through. They didn't have the help they needed. They didn't feel like they had people around them willing to uh, you know, join the movement early enough to gain steam. And now that people like Bernie Sanders have come to the forefront and kind of galvanized an entire generation of young people into this movement, yeah, that you can meet, you will make plenty of friends just based on shared hobbies alone. Okay. Yes, then the Democratic Party will have only two categories, over 70s and under 30s. Uh, I always joke about the one token young person at every county meeting. And if they don't start doing more in these rural areas, once the, the elderly members age rural. out, they're done. It's not uh, just rural. That's one of our biggest problems here in Broward. We are the most democratic county in the state of Florida. And our local DEC, you will see more walkers and wheelchairs than you will anybody under the age of 50 at any of these meetings. And yet, when you look at the local Republican clubs, it is full of young people. And, and I, and I, and I wondered, you know, originally, why is this, why is this happening? And I know from a local perspective, how unbelievably exclusive and alienating our local DEC is and how they are very particularly condescending to the young people. And to some extent, I hate to say it, but a lot of some, a lot of these people are just going to have to die off. Um, and, And we're looking at that in a, in a pretty big way here. Okay. Well, Sorry. I, I, I can, uh, yeah, I've, I mean, always, I've always been amazed there are any young people in Florida. That's the prize of me. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we definitely do exist. Uh, I can say, again, for, for me and my experience, um, I, I got involved. I, I voted in the primaries, and that's how I found out about my uh, local organization. And, like, for us, it's we have – there's three organizations uh, throughout the county that I'm in. Um, but it, you can literally look up just whatever your county is, uh, Democrats Club. And, you know, to your point of, okay, if there's a lot of older people, no, it's not, hey, wait for people to die off. It's, okay, maybe you go and bring a friend or two. I, within, again, my experience was a lot more like Williams, where this is, again, not a progressive party. This was just the Democrat, uh, you know, party or representative portion of that. Uh, and it is talking about strategy. It is talking about, hey, here's things that are going on. Here's votes on referendums. Here's things that are happening. Um, and I, and I, I was able to then still, you know, vocalize my things. And there was a lot of interest because I was, you know, the sole young person. But that then brought my opinions with a lot more weight within that group. So, and it legitimizes the interest of other young people. If they see someone that, you know, if you're willing to do it, well, why can't I do it? Yes. So, you know, definitely go out and see it is a, you know, decent experience. Mm -hmm. uh, If you can just look that up, that is my biggest call of action. Again, pressure internally, externally. It's been better in the past and it's been a hell of a lot worse. Uh, But if we want to continue this, advancement of change then <clears throat> we have uh what we have to do so is that any, a wrap? any other closing comments 
Yeah. So thank you guys so much for coming on. This is the first time this and, you know, it's only our third episode of Gen Z Report and Harvey, you know, you're always welcome on on our show. And William, you you know, we, we're pretty open door for people. If you've got something going on and you want to promote, you're always welcome to reach out. Um, but yeah, this is sort of a new little a new little project. So but thank you for coming and, and being sort of guinea pigs as our first bring on guests onto the Gen Z Report. Of course, it's a lot of fun. We need more youth involvement. I'm so happy to see CJ getting involved and and sharing his passion with other people. I think that's something that does not get enough coverage. I've had so many friends who have said, yeah, I'd love to come to an event, but I don't want to be the only person under the age of 40 there. And I'm like, then come with me. (laughs) Right. I'll be there. You know, it it sounds scary, but it's not. No. Are we good, CJ? Harvey, you working on anything in particular right now? Uh, Alan and I are still pursuing that economic bill of rights. And I will also tell you, I don't know how you'll respond. I am advising Marianne Williamson. That's that I, you know, I have my thoughts on that, but I, you know, I'm, I'm all right. It's all good. we got to, everybody's got to co- contribute in all their ways. Yep. Somebody has got to be the one to advance the economic bill of rights, national health care, et cetera. All right. We're so guys, yeah, no, someone's got to do it. I did hear that Kennedy just got in. Do we want to share? No, we're not going to go. We're not gonna go. Okay. He, he hasn't called me. Okay. He's not. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, let him know. I'll let him know that you're, that you're, that you're, that you'd consider it. I'm not, I don't get paid. I do these things without getting paid. So I can tell people the truth and not pamper their egos. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, and that's, that's basically it. That's a wrap guys. Thank you. Peace out. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us. Please stay in touch. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.